have been walking through um, the book of Isaiah throughout the Advent season. And this is the first Sunday after Christmas in the liturgical calendar. Um, and, and the liturgy, uh, the lectionary is still following along with Isaiah. And so shall we. We're going to jump way ahead, though, into, into the 60s, into what uh, scholars would call third Isaiah. Um, and really, it's a lot of the same stuff. Uh, if you remember previously in Isaiah, what we've been talking about is um, the King Ahaz was given these couple of different options and to get the southern kingdom out of trouble. And Isaiah goes and says, no, here's your option. Follow God. Trust God. Uh, Ahaz doesn't. He chooses himself and it opens up and unleashes this just turmoil and confusion and that goes on for a couple of times. And then Christmas Eve, we talked about that uh, the poem there was kind of almost this coronation poetry uh, written for the uh, scholars. Some scholars believe the end of Ahaz's reign and the ushering in of Hezekiah, um, who was a much better king than Ahaz. But still, um, the book of Isaiah is filled with the people of Israel turning towards God and then turning away from God, turning towards God, turning away from God. It's like the windshield wiper of prophetic books. Um, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of battle there's a lot of wars and there's a lot of blood. Um, it's kind of a, at some points, a really gory story. If it were a movie, um, it'd be one you're like, Oh, this is awesome. Um, but then as you think that it is part of our story, cause whoa, if you, if you've been here for any length of time, you will remember, you will uh, recall maybe that we talk about the fact that as we are adopted into the family of God, these aren't just stories of some remote people in the past. It's our family history. This is stuff that happened to our family. These are stories of, of triumph and tragedy that happened to, to our family. I'm sure many of you just spent some time with family over the, the holiday season. Maybe some of you are still with them today, waiting for them to leave. And, and, but the, the thing about it is, is although you have that moment where you're like, okay, three days with my, um, with my sister-in-law is three days enough, you know. But, um, but I love her. And, and I care about what happens to her. And the good things that happen, I celebrate with her. And the bad things that happen... I'm sorry and, and feel bad for her and with her. You know, it's one of those things that you do with family. It's just, just is. It's just you're a part of one another and you can't shake it free. The book of Isaiah goes through all these different things that it's hard for us to shake free from because it's who we are. They enabled us to become the church, the body, the son, the daughter that we are currently becoming. In Isaiah 63, it's this... Um, real short section that the lectionary picked out today, and it's an interesting section. Um, it's a beginning of a really long poem that goes up and down and up and down. And, and it calls on God to remember that he is father at one point. And it talks about people being slaughtered and it talks about the greatness of God. And it's just like this epic poem. But it begins with 63 verse 7. I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. He said, they are my very own people. 
surely they will not be false again. And he became their savior. In all their suffering, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a great opening. I will praise the Lord for his unfailing love. He became our Savior, our Redeemer. The line previous to this opening I crushed the nations in my anger and made them stagger and fall to the ground. I will praise the Lord forever. It's an abrupt shift but one that really goes hand in hand. The verses preceding this in, in 63 Isaiah, um, it, it talks about, there's two voices that are talking. One is Isaiah and then one is clearly God. And, and when God speaks, God talks about how his, his clothes are stained in red. And it's this question of, oh, have you been in the wine press too long? You know, squeezing grapes and stuff. And God says, no, I've been thrashing people. Because they stood against you, and that just does not happen. So I've crushed them. And this is their blood. Now, if that happens to you, I would think that the next thing you say is, I will praise the Lord forever. But if you think about it, the people that he crushed were his people. If you think about the fact that there is not a single person that has ever stepped foot on this earth that was not, as the psalmist says, lovingly created in his mother's womb. If you think about the fact that you have never, as Daryl likes to say and reminds us, it's brilliant, locked eyes. It's a Dallas Willard thing, I think. Locked eyes with someone who is not created by God. You have never locked eyes with someone who is not created by God. The people that he was slaughtering were his sons and daughters, his children. Early on in Isaiah, if you remember, the prophecy was that Isaiah comes to King Ahaz and he says, look, one day the temple of the Lord will rise above everything else and all people will come to know God as God. One day this is going to be the picture. One day that even the worst person you can think of. That person is going to know who God is, going to know the love of God. One of the things I think that is very important to pick out of this scripture is the line where it says, He suffered. In all their suffering, He also suffered. In all their suffering, He, God, also suffered. There's a book uh, written by a, a man um, who I, I can't think of his name right now. Um, to tell you the truth, because I wasn't supposed to preach today, I didn't prepare. And so I went to, eight, to the 830 service um, and listened to David's to, to like go, what should I say? Because David's really smart. Um, and David talked about this book. Um, and it, it's brilliant, but I can't think of the guy's name. But he, he lost his son in a mountain climbing accident. His son went to go climb this mountain. He died. Um, and he, he just gets you know, thrown into turmoil and grief because of it. He, he writes a book uh, from his experiences and his dealings with God. 
uh, on the other side. And, and, and what he says is, you know, we're always told through Scripture that you cannot see the face of God and, and, and live, right? Anytime you encounter the face of God, you die. And the, the belief is because God's face is so great and glorious that we could just not contain it and we would just explode, you know? Corbin does this all the time. Mind blown. Um, He says that I taught him that. Um, I don't think I did, but I'm all right with it if I did. Uh, It's because he uses it appropriately. Um, So it it would be one of those things that you, it's just so great and wonderful and glorious and all loving and all just full of just God that you can't take it. What this guy says and suggests is yes, 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 but also. Could it be that the glory of God that you encounter is not joy and love all of the time? Maybe it's pain and sadness. God, our loving Father, hurts when we hurt. Think about it this way. Last week I was with my family. Um, not Jenna's. So, you know, if any, if word gets back, it's not them. It's my family. Um, and and we had we were seeing some family members that we had not seen in quite some time. Um, and they they're not around Grace. They know Grace. They know Grace's story. Uh, they just are not around her. If you're not around Grace and you are suddenly around her for three days straight, it, it's a different experience. Um, you have to know how to handle and deal with Grace. Grace communicates in a different way. You've got to get on her level. You know, it's Grace's world. We all just live in it. Uh, and, and so this, one of my relatives had a, a, an encounter with Grace, and she disciplined Grace um, in a way that um, almost made me come out of my seat. Um, and and she, she, she did so in this way that, that took Grace by great surprise. Um, and Grace went from uh, she was Grace was kind of agitated to begin with. Um, it's Christmas and all the families there who wasn't agitated. Right. Um, and and she comes in in this inner encounter and the discipline was really um, over the top. Um, and she, she didn't hit her or anything, but just the way that she spoke to her um, and you and I sitting across. I had a perfect view of Grace's face. Um, just the immediate change. Bam. In her face. And, and the hurt and the, and the and, and just like that, you could just see it come on her face. And then she lost it and she was uncontrollably sobbing for, for a long time. Jenna and I usually I can usually get her back when she is crying like that. I can usually get her and I and I talk panda. We have this panda language that she has a stuff. Panda panda goes is how panda talks. And we do a little panda talk back and forth and I can bring her out of it. Um, no. She wanted nothing to do with Panda, with me, with mom. She was done. And it was really sad. It was so sad to see her have to experience that. From someone who really didn't mean to do anything, but there it was. It was just heartbroken for her. Can you imagine a father who has billions of children, when they hurt terribly to the core, and it's just that uncontrollable hurt and sobbing, 
What it must be like. What it must be like for a dad to see his kids in such anguish and pain. What this author suggests is, if we are to see the face of God, then maybe it is this side of things that we would see. We couldn't handle it. What I'm suggesting is that the times that you go through Isaiah and you see God snuffing people out, that I don't think it's with a joyful heart that he does so. When you suffer pain yourself, I don't think that God is sitting there going, (laughs) he deserves that. I don't think that God ever enjoys when one of his children is hurting. Ray Vanderlyn says that the majority of the times you see great movement in someone's life in Scripture. When someone, a group of people, one person, whatever, comes to some new realization and understanding of who God is, and they move more into their identity of a son, a daughter, a nation, whatever, the majority of times that happens in the text is in the desert. The majority of those times when we grow the most into our likeness, the image of God, is through those sharpening, fire-filled times. We Right? It's just like an upper to end the year on, right? All right, all right, go out there. Have a good day. It's one of those things that you know is true. You look back over your life and you see those times when you just were down and out. And if you are a believer and if you trust God and if you move through those moments, on the other side of it, you're like, huh, Uh, okay. That was bad and I never want to be there again. But I'm more who God wants me to be now because of it. For eight years... God has been shaping me and changing me more into the husband, the father, and the pastor he longs for me to be. For eight years through little Gracie's life, I have been in the desert. I have found myself wandering in the desert, lost in utter despair. But as I look back over those moments, those nights when her nose feeding tube had come out and formula was all over the crib, And Corbin has now entered the world and he's making himself known by screaming. And we look at each other and like, this is not good. Those moments. There's this prayer technique called Sozo. And I've not been trained in it and I really don't know much about it. Um, I I know a little bit about it and I have been Sozoed before. It's like a verb. Um, I've been through a Sozo prayer session. And one of the things that happened um, in this prayer session was uh, the person who was leading it, it, it was Casey. She did kind of a sneak attack sozo on me because um, she's little and she's like a ninja, um, prayer ninja. But she, she led me through this thing and she goes, she had me picture the situation that was kind of painful and all this stuff. She goes, where's Jesus in the room? What? Where is he? He, he wasn't. 
He wasn't there. There was three people. I've already told you who the three people were that were in the room. She's like, "Uh uh-huh. Where was he? And then I have this image of him. There he is. He's like, hello. Here I am. Oh, my gosh. It's one of those things that I know. God's everywhere. Every encounter I'm in, I know that God is there. But it took that kind of moment for this, like, this really crystal thing. And, and as I go back, and by the way, because I didn't prepare and didn't write, this is all coming out of my mind straight to my mouth. So, um, and as, I, as I'm sitting here, this verbal dialogue, right, this, this blah stuff, I keep seeing these pictures of our house on Larkwood when we used to live on Larkwood in Grace's room. And I see him there. Those nights when I just wanted it to end. There he is. There he is. When we suffer, he suffers. When we go through pain, he goes through pain. We just celebrated the fact that he came, he gave up everything so that he could be born and come into our flesh and blood and know what we know, that he could suffer. So that when we go through something, it's not just some God who created us is like, oh, yeah, I know what that is because I created it. No, 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 no. He's been there. And he is still there. That is the most comforting thing to know. It doesn't say that God is going to stop all suffering. Eventually, yeah, I believe that when Jesus comes back and restoration is brought to all things, that boom, that is going to be a day to be around for, you know? It doesn't mean that your life right now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is going to be rose-colored glasses and everything is great and wonderful and you will not experience pain because that's not life in the world that we live right now. What it means is when you have those moments that he is there too. Because he's your dad. And because when you hurt, he hurts. Now Isaiah was praising God for something that God had done. I will praise the Lord because he has destroyed those people and brought us into a moment of safety. But I think what we need to learn to do is to say, I will praise the Lord every moment. Even when those foreign nations have us by the throat. I will praise the Lord. Because he is with me. And this year, I'm sure you're bound to experience dark moments. I'm sure you're bound to experience wonderful joys. I pray God's blessing upon each one of you. But as we go into this year and when that time comes, because we still live in a fallen world. Close your eyes and picture where he is in the room. And remember that God is good all the time. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of life that you have given us. We thank you 
for the fact that you tell us when we go through dark moments, you're right there with us. You do not leave our side. We don't understand, Lord, why things happen the way that they do. Why bad things happen to good people. We don't understand why the evil that exists in this world necessarily does. But help us to see with clear eyes that you are there in the midst of it. And that when we hurt and cry, so do you. And that when we need strength, you're right there to give it to us. God, we thank you and praise you for your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.